I'm Kyle. And I'm Jason. And this is Monetize Media. On today's episode, we speak with Drew Smith, founder and editor of The Liberty Line, a Philly sports blog. In just a few short years, Drew has built an audience of tens of thousands by creating a media brand off of his t-shirt sales. He has a deep experience in how creators monetize their audience through the sale of merchandise. Listen now as Drew walks us through the process of building his site, creating and selling third-party unlicensed sports t-shirts, and how the Eagles winning the Super Bowl in 2018 was his launching point. On to the interview. All right, so I want to welcome on Drew Smith, founder, editor, every man at Philly-based sports blog, The Liberty Line. Drew, thanks for coming. Yeah, Kyle, Jason, great to be here. Uh, it's pretty surreal that I'm, I'm, I'm talking to uh, the guy who started Crossing Broad. So um, I'm stoked to be here for sure. Thanks for having me. I will tell my wife that somebody else <laughs> thinks that's cool. <laughs> so we've been wanting to get you on the show partially because we probably understand your business and website is as good as anybody we've had on because it's it's very similar to what I've done and what Jason's done. But for listeners, explain to people, give people your origin story, right? So how you got to running the Liberty Line and then talk about what the Liberty Line is and where it wants to go. Well, it really all starts at the double doink game for uh, when the Eagles played the Chicago Bears in the playoffs, right? So I'm a full-time marketing director for RushOrderTees.com based in Northeast Philadelphia. And, you know, we're a custom apparel company nationwide, you know, one of the biggest actually in the United States. And of course, anytime that Philly sports teams are doing well, it's always nice to get t-shirts up. And the double doink happened. So we immediately, you know, posted double doink t-shirts. For listeners who don't know, the double doink was when Bears kicker Cody Parkey hit both of the uprights at the end of a NFL playoff game three years ago and the Eagles won. Yeah. Yes. I, I talking to a, I thought we were just sitting here talking to some Eagles fans, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely, you know, the year after the Super Bowl, you know, we were about to lose that game. Double doink off, boast the uprights of the field goal post. Chris Collins where said that. And it kind of fell into this minute merch thing where you're like, oh, we have to put that on a t-shirt that was like incredible. So we did that. We posted on Rush Order Tees. Got a lot of uh, local news buzz, obviously. The owner of Rush Order Tees, Mike, wasn't too thrilled about it because he's like, dude, you're making like some one-off t-shirt, whatever. And really that whole week until the next playoff game where we played the New Orleans Saints, we sold over 15,000 of those t-shirts. So we really rode that wave. And from there, of course, you know, we're naive at the time. We thought, oh, we could always ride this wave now and just keep making t-shirts that constantly go viral, will constantly be a success. And we certainly tried. I mean, we were even making Valentine's Day t-shirts, St. Patrick's Day drinking t-shirts, all different types of stuff. And it really didn't pan out too well. And I was like, you know what? Let's kind of shift our business model here and reach out to other blogs, websites, big social media accounts, influencers. At one point, we even had the Philadelphia Zoo on there. We had uh, the EPA, like a lot of different people just to create online stores for them where we would help with the design work and they would push them on their own social channels. And one thing led to another. And I started talking a lot with Victor Williams of the Philly Pod. It's a big Philly sports podcast here in Philadelphia. And we were selling t-shirts for his podcast. And 
obviously we would always throw around design ideas and it really came down to then all of a sudden we're sharing sports takes, articles, other people's social accounts saying, why would they say this? Why would they say that? And we were inviting more people into our little Twitter DM talking about, you know, Philly sports, sports in general, gambling, all that type of stuff. And then finally we were just, just like, hey, we might as well just throw this up on an actual website, right? So almost a year went by and it was March 1st, 2020. And we decided to launch thelibertyline.com. Good timing. Yeah. So uh, just... Roughly uh, three or four days later, the entire sports world completely shut down for five months. So uh, it was probably the best timing ever to launch a uh, Philly sports-focused blog. That's kind of really how it started. It uh, started with T-shirts and the success of T-shirts, just networking and becoming friends with people that we were making T-shirts for that were already selling T-shirts. And um, we were just like, you know what? Screw it. Let's kind of just uh, make our own website and we're already talking about it and we'll write about it. So I want to get into, in a little bit, I do want to get into how some of our audience could leverage apparel because it's probably one of the easiest ways to get into the product game. It applies to almost every niche, but for the site itself. So talk about the growth. I mean, we're here, it's only two and a half years later. You guys have pretty good numbers, you know, those first few months of no sports notwithstanding. So talk about the process of building the audience. And then at what point do you begin to think about, okay, I got to, besides just apparel, which was very obvious to you, and it's not obvious to many, I could start making money off ads and I'm sitting on like a real business with some accruing value here. Yeah. So, I mean, those first five months or so were really, really tough. And I mean, uh, there were a lot of days where we were just like, dude, this was just really bad timing on us. Obviously, COVID's happening. You're seeing everything happening on the news. There's no sports. I think the only live sporting event at one time was the Iditarod. (laughs) So we were even just writing about that. I mean, we literally had nothing to write about. Obviously, just general COVID updates, what's happening uh, when they were doing the NFL virtual draft, stuff like that. But It was really just kind of regular updates, and it was obviously something we never thought we wanted to do, (laughs) just like doing those types of updates and everything. But, I mean, look, we stuck with it, worked a lot, and Sean Brace, uh, previously of Philly Sports Talk Radio, and now he does Fox Sports The Gambler with iHeart, he reached out to us and was kind of gave us the boost of confidence that we needed, just saying, I cannot believe you guys are sticking with it. And you have this website where we kind of went off the beaten path a little bit, just started writing about general updates, anything we thought were cool. And the numbers like kept going up. But it really all goes back to t-shirts because once the presidential debate happened where Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were on stage, or I'm sorry, uh, Joe Biden were on stage and Donald Trump said bad things happen in Philadelphia. Ah. And, you know, typically when something comes through, I'm immediately in Slack, slacking one of our graphic designers at Rush Ortiz, like, hey, we need to get this up on a T-shirt. That night, sitting in my apartment, didn't really think anything of it. And I went online to an always sunny font generator and I just put bad things happen in Philadelphia across the T-shirt, closed my MacBook, went to sleep. Next morning, I woke up relatively early to a million text messages, a million email notifications, and we sold over 12,000 shirts overnight. Oh my God. And you looked at the website traffic and we went from, you know, averaging maybe 
2,000 views a day or something. And, and that day alone, we had like over 30,000 views on the website. A lot of people were upset because it was something that Donald Trump said, but the majority of people were there to buy t-shirts. And um, really from that moment, October 2020, the traffic kind of stayed there and then just kept rising and everything. You had some sports back playing and everything. But um, those first, you know, five or six months, it was pretty dead. But uh, once that shirt kind of went viral, we were all over the local news. Everyone at Rush Order Tees was super nice about it, too, because we kind of plugged the Liberty Line as well as Rush Order Tees in there. So uh, we kind of got double the exposure there for just a T-shirt from uh, Donald Trump. I, it's just <laughs> crazy to even say. But uh, that was really kind of the takeoff point. And then we were able to kind of retain, you know, the views and continue to build off that. And people you know, finally had eyes on what we were trying to create for the first time uh, in roughly half a year since we started. It's amazing. I think there's a lot of businesses, I'm saying this tongue in cheek, there's a lot of businesses that miss Donald Trump. You know, I mean, newspapers, CNN, he was, you know, hate him or love him. You know, he was a walking marketing machine for so many, you know, websites, companies or whatever. So first question for you, Drew, is like, when I see t-shirts, right? Like, I feel like, so many people look at this and go, I mean, come on, all I need is an idea. Like you said, all I need is an idea. I throw it out there. I get the, you know, the power of the internet, especially today with social media. Like, what would you tell someone who thinks that? Like, you know, after going what you've gone through so far, just a general comment of what would you say to someone who's like, yeah, it's anybody could do that. Well, it's kind of interesting because obviously, you know, it started off with the double doing thing and then, you know, if you look at that time frame, you're talking January 2019 and then October 2020 was really the next time we had like a major viral t-shirt, right? So look, I mean, you can catch it and it really goes down to two different philosophies that I have when you're actually trying to sell t-shirts. It's either a minute merch type of concept where something happens and you immediately want to get it up on a t-shirt and still that always doesn't hit either, but at the very least... You can use it just like as a regular content post on social media where people are like, oh, wow, like, look, the Liberty Line's like up to date. They threw this on a T-shirt, super funny. And ideally, it'll actually gain some traction and go viral. So you have the Minute Merch concept. And then another concept we use is kind of just flooding the T-shirt market, especially when you're talking about Eagles playoffs, Sixers playoffs, or Phillies playoffs. For example, we just wrapped up the Phillies playoffs and you went out to Rally House, down to Dick's, on Fanatics. Everything has just been sold out. You could barely even buy anything. So it's almost like, hey, flood the market. There's a bunch of new eyes. All these bandwagon fans, gotta love them, are joining on to the Phillies thing and no one wants to go out and just buy that NLCS Phillies t-shirt. They want, you know, something more unique kind of to be like, hey, I, I've been watching the Phillies. Like, check out my Philly shirt. I know what's going on, stuff like that. So look, I mean, there's two strategies to go about it. You either flood the market and just post a bunch and hopefully, you know, one catches fire. And if not, you sell 20 to 30 of each of them or you try to ride a kind of like a minute merch marketing wave, but you can't get discouraged. And that was the toughest part, I think, because... I'd be sending over so many different graphic design ideas to these artists and artists can be a little emotional at times and stuff too. And they're like, dude, none of these are selling. I'm like, don't worry, we're going to catch one eventually. Look, I mean, it's tough, but it's definitely, uh, if you're smart about it and you stay on top of it and you can act quickly, um, I think it's a great way to kind of not only make some revenue for your site, but 
also uh, just turn some heads and get some eyeballs and be like, hey, what are these guys doing? This shirt is interesting or funny or, wow, they were really on top of it. So I think in any... Um you know, any creator or anybody listening to this, they have something that they cover, write about, talk about, make videos about that has its own inside joke thing. Now, the Trump thing, you know, was not an inside joke. It's probably one of the largest audiences that are going to see something. And you just happen to be, we were too, we were actually wrapping up our sound. Like we just couldn't think about t-shirts, but I remember hearing that thinking, oh, that's a good shirt. Right. But like, so you're in the right place, the right time, but talk about how anybody, because and I know you guys probably work with some people like this, who can take something that's topical or an inside joke in their space, you know, be it gardening or whatever it is, and that it's going to really going to speak to their audience. And it, even if it doesn't go viral, it might like really stick with their audience of 500 people who care deeply about something like super, super niche. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it really depends what you're writing on, right? So if, if I'm looking at an example like that, I would probably say something along the lines of an actual real life example would be almost like when Alec Bohm said, hate this place, right? It's very Philly specific. It happened on some, when was that? Like a random game in the middle of April. So like there wasn't that many people watching. I know we kind of look like, you know, was trending on uh, Twitter for a little bit, but I think that's a really good example. And that was another huge t-shirt that we kind of had explode. It was very niche to, you know, the Phillies. And we kind of took the Citizens Bank Park logo and replaced uh, Citizens Bank Park with effing hate this place and um, ran with that. Another one was kind of like Bamboo Brad. For whatever reason, Brad Miller, when he brought that bamboo into the Phillies clubhouse, sold a ton of t-shirts, trust the bamboo, kind of like off trust the process with Joel and B in the Philadelphia 76ers. And then more recently, uh, Darius Slay, when he was talking about the sexy Batmans on the Eagles team with the wide receivers and AJ Brown, Quez Watkins and Devonta Smith. And then of course, Jason Kelsey jumped on that too. But yeah, so you can always play off like actually what you're covering and what you're writing about. And then it's kind of a challenge, but what I like to do is then kind of spin it into more self-branding stuff. So if you're looking at our shop, we have a lot of Liberty Line gear now, which again, at first, these artists are like, no one's going to actually buy Liberty Line t-shirts. But, you know, we have different ones that play off the sports teams, the U.S. men's national team, uh, just different designs that we thought people would like, random colors and you kind of sway them into that because now you're kind of building that brand loyalty and, you know, brand awareness yourself. And I think one of our personal inside jokes, especially at the Liberty line would come with Joel Embiid and the whole debate around him versus Jokic to win NBA MVP. We went really hard saying that there was an NBA deep state that was preventing him from winning any awards. So uh, that was another one that was actually very niche because you start talking about the deep state again and people are like, these guys are crazy. Obviously, they're joking. But for anyone who actually read our Sixers articles and stuff like that, I mean, we were very uh, satirical about writing about it. And um, that was another huge success for us as well, too. The NBA deep state is real. So we just put that on a T-shirt with Trust the Process and a Liberty Line logo underneath it. And um, yeah, I mean, I was getting pictures of people wearing that T-shirt at Sixers games, which I thought was uh, pretty funny. So it's just building that audience. And then, you know, if people understand it and people are gravitating towards it and you kind of have your own angle, whether it's funny or just something you always say about something like playoff seating doesn't matter or I don't see a loss on the scorecard or on the, you know, 
schedule. It's really just a brand awareness, brand loyalty play, I think, more than anything. Because if people are reading you and you stay consistent and even always just put a little message in there or a little joke and you stay consistent with that, then people are going to expect that from you. And then you can kind of monetize that by using T-shirts and hoodies to push that message. The, uh, the deep state is very real to Jason, so it's not satire at all. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we got to get you a T-shirt for sure. I'm not sure why we're even questioning the deep state. I mean, there's, it's, I mean the deep state of the NBA could be questioned, but <laughs> no, I I mean, if, we, if we really want to go off track, you know, we'll start bringing up some CIA downloads from 1984. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to get into that with you on another uh, episode for sure. It'll be our spinoff pod, our conspiracy pod. So now you have an audience. You're unique in that you almost use the product to grow your, your audience, which is, which is really fascinating. Like the product brought the people to the website, but then the content's got to be good and the content is good. So you got to keep like filling that meter every day, keeping people engaged at what point do you realize you have a big enough audience now that you can think about, you know, you have ads on your sites, you work with sports books as an affiliate, which we're super familiar with. So talk about how those two things, the ads and then the, the sports betting and the affiliate opportunity with that really helped like move things forward for you and create some, you know, more T-shirts, as, as we all know, can be spiky. You know, that when the teams in the World Series or the Super Bowl, huge sales. And then in sports, you know, it, there could be dead periods. So talk about how those things help, like, balance out the business side of, of the website. Yeah, so we started it. And honestly, I mean, it sounds, uh, I mean, maybe it doesn't sound this way, but it sounds like we were a lot more coordinated and we knew what we were doing from the start. But to be honest with you, I really had no idea. And we're looking at it and we started to get some decent traction on the website. I mean, we were hovering right around six to 8,000 you know, views, maybe like five to 6,000 unique visitors to the website a month. And I was like, how are people monetizing the website? Like there has to be a way you can get ads on here. So again, I'm kind of lucky because I work at Rush Order Tees and um, as the marketing director, really on the content side, but we have an SEO team in-house at Rush Order Tees. So, you know, I bounced a lot of ideas off them. I think that's really important too is I feel like a lot of people just try to go out there and only do what they know and they're scared to just kind of ask questions and ask for help and rely on other people to tell you what to do. I'm like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing this with this website, but we're starting to get some decent traffic here and obviously I've hit big on a couple t-shirts, but as you said, you can't really rely on T-shirts as any steady source of income. I mean, the, a couple years ago during uh, the pandemic flyers thing, we sold a bunch of flyers T-shirts, Philadelphia Flyers hockey team, and I don't think we sold one cent because they've just been awful, right? So just like one example, I mean, we're not selling any Sixers T-shirts right now, and typically right at the start of the NBA season, people want to load up on Sixers T-shirts, but when you start off 500 through the first 25 games, no one's really emotional enough to uh, go buy T-shirts. Doc Must Go is not a popular T-shirt? I, I It might be, actually. <laughs> That's actually a good one, Jason. We'll, we'll have to talk after the show. But yeah, so I, I was just kind of doing research, and it's like, okay, there's a way to get advertisements on your website by using something like Google AdSense. So I had no idea how to set that up. Kind of got a quick rundown of how to do it at work. And again, just me kind of going out there and I went on Fiverr, which is a website where you can go on there, pay 
pennies on the dollar for someone to help you with development, graphic design, a wide variety of things. And I paid someone in the Middle East 15 bucks to set up Google AdSense for us. And (laughs) they downloaded an ad inserter into our WordPress. And at the time, Victor's like, are you really giving this guy like full keys to the website? Like, I don't know if you should do that. I was like, look, I, I mean, it's a service that they're providing. I'm paying for him. So hopefully he'll be able to do it. And then there were changes to Google Search Console and everything. And we didn't have different things set up properly. So when we were really focusing on SEO and getting everything formatted correctly, I used Fiverr. I spent maybe $35 for a bunch of random people across the world to, you know, fix up our website. And from there, I mean, we had AdSense set up. So it's just kind of automatic ads to the website. And Obviously, the more traffic you get, which we've been fortunate enough that it keeps going up and up, the more money you make each month. And it's just direct deposit in your account once a month. And, you know, it's not the most money in the world, but for literally not doing anything, uh, it's a good avenue to uh, make some cash, especially with the traffic that we've been getting lately. Well, you're doing a lot. I mean, you have a steady drumbeat of content, but yeah. But this is like what you just described is a is a masterclass in resourcefulness. Like in the, we're big on the figuring it out as you go. And most of the guests we've had on, even the ones with some really impressive audiences have Jason miles. Beckler is probably the only one who feels like he's knows what he's doing 10 years from now, but everybody else has been in that, like figure it out as we go mentality. But I mean, from the t-shirt thing to reacting to content during COVID to, you know, just sort of stumbling upon Fiverr and paying, Talk about arbitrage, right? Like you're spending like $15, $35 and think of all the value you got out of that. That's a great, you know, like I'm well aware of that, but like a Fiverr, I've used services like that. But just to find that, get that cheap cost and have that benefit is like a real kudos to you to just like, I'll figure it out. I don't know this, it's new, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, and I mean, it's not even like, so we, I mean, trust me, we tried a million times to, you know, get the right app installed or to insert ads and add these CSS lines of code to the website a million times. And I mean, Victor would always joke, it would be like super late at night. It'd be probably three or four in the morning. I'm trying to figure this out. And I mean, one time I screwed up all of our URL links and pretty much crashed the entire website. Then you had to go back and sends an email out to me and Vic like, oh, your site has been restored. And one night, I think I restored the site maybe 13 times in the middle of the night before I was finally like, <laughs> all right, we need to just, you know. Pro tip, you all, always do the, the coding and the stuff like you have no idea where you're going to break stuff like the night before a holiday weekend. Because this way, if you screw it up, like you're not, you're not losing audience, depending on your vertical. But it's usually a safe bet. Yeah, the system restore button, uh, and especially when we first started, was uh, one of my best friends. Because um, again, I mean, like you mentioned, we were just kind of figuring it out as we go. I mean, every single day we we're trying to learn something new and trying to put that on the website or use that to help grow the website. And um, yeah, Fiverr came in huge handy for us. And much like everything else I've been talking about, it goes back to t-shirts where, you know, everyone was very heavily relying on us to create t-shirt designs. I'm like, hey, if you think about it, you can go to Fiverr, pay them 25 to 50 bucks to create a t-shirt design for you. You send it to us, we'll put it up in your store. And if you sell five t-shirts, you're, you're already breaking even. So I always told people to go use Fiverr and it's become such a uh, big, cheap tool to actually get some development work done. But especially in the early goings when we really didn't know what we were doing. 
and how to grow the site. How has the sports betting affiliate revenue worked into your mix? And I guess maybe just talk about some of the challenges maybe of getting started with that and that, that process in itself. Yeah. So Parks Casino actually reached out to us. I guess that was before the start of last football season. So what was that? 2021 summer. And they were kind of new and partnering with people at the time. They didn't even launch their newest uh, sports book app. And we went up there to talk to them about a potential partnership. And again, they were pretty new to it as well because it sounded like we were both trying to figure out how something like this would work, right? So we uh, signed an agreement with them and they wanted to be the exclusive sports book partner of the Liberty Line, which, you know, when it came to an affiliate deal or something like that, that wasn't really going to work for us because we didn't want to be exclusive with Parks when there were all the other sports books on the table. And we kind of worked it out where they would actually, you know, give us guaranteed money plus then some on an affiliate deal to uh, have them be an our exclusive sports book partner. And we thought we were all ready to go to launch for the start of the football season. And they're like, okay, can you send us over your gaming license for the state of Pennsylvania? <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know what a gaming license is. So <laughs> we uh, really had, again, just kind of like with everything else, really had no idea what was going on. We reached out to the Pennsylvania Gaming Commission and got registered in Pennsylvania. It wasn't cheap, but luckily, as a part of our agreement, we had that guaranteed money, which kind of covered us and was able to get us registered. There was a lot of paperwork. I think I submitted it maybe three or four times before they actually accepted it and told me I didn't fill it out incorrectly. At the time, too, we had to get an LLC because we didn't even have a business. So the first time I submitted, I was just like, hi, I'm Drew Smith. Um, I want a gaming license. And they were literally like, I don't even know why you mailed this to us because you are nowhere close. So again, I went on to uh, LegalZoom, got us an LLC. And from there, we got a gaming license in Pennsylvania. And honestly, I give credit to someone like, you know, I don't want to toot Kyle's horn too much, but, you know, I, I've been reading Crossing Broad, uh, I mean, since the Phillies World Series back in 2009. I would sit there and refresh it to see whatever Kyle was writing about at the time when I was in a cubicle. So, I, you know, I've watched him do that, and I've watched how Crossing Broad was able to utilize uh, gambling, and then obviously I saw what you did with the website and uh, how you guys got bought because of that. So it was a route I knew we wanted to take, and it was another, you know, way to monetize the website. And we did the parks thing. We finally got up and running probably in like November. We got registered in Pennsylvania. And then when that contract expired, we were pretty much set to start, you know, reaching out to other sports books. And it was just me literally looking up people on LinkedIn and was like, let me find the affiliate manager at DraftKings or FanDuel and just send them LinkedIn messages until they get annoyed and finally they're like, all right, fine. Like here, we'll talk to you. We'll hop on a call with you and uh, get you set up with a partnership. Yeah. Just to give the listeners an idea too, in Pennsylvania. It's the worst state I've, I've, I've dealt with. At least. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about you're, you're being fingerprinted. It is like a, akin to trying to uh, interview for the Secret Service. So a, fr- a friend of mine's at a Secret Service, and I explained to him the process. And he was like, you know, outside of that Pennsylvania calling some of your family members, he goes, it's pretty close. So he said, that was a serious deep dive for the Pennsylvania requirement just to be an affiliate. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, 
I handled a lot of that paperwork and I would just, you know, uh, shoot Vic a Slack message. I'd be like, hey, I need this information. I need this. And he was like, at the end of it, I like knew every last thing about Victor Williams, my <laughs> business partner. So it was kind of nice because I learned a lot about him. You learned about, you know, some some random misdemeanor. I don't know if you ever did, but like 20 years ago, his wife's 401k if he's married. Like it's all in there. It's crazy. Yeah, they really uh, put you through the ringer. And then, I mean, as you guys obviously know, in other states, it's just like, oh, hey, yeah, sure. We'll get you registered there. No problem. What's your EIN? Call it a day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was arrested my senior year of college up at the University of Scranton. And for we had a party and, you know, unbeknownst to me, there were some minors there. And um, <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Didn't know if we invited the whole freshman dorm. There were going to be minors there. <laughs> yeah, the flyer was passed around. I, was, I didn't know who was going to show up. But, you know, we did our community service. We did a whole thing. And we were told, you know this is squashed from your record. Like you have, you'll have no concerns. So lo and behold, you know, I graduated in 2000. So what that was at 2021. So 21 years later, 20 years later, I go for, I go for this license and there it is. They shoot it right over me. They're like, you know, sorry, sir. Like, you know, you, you have this outstanding issue. And I'm like, what are you it's not outstanding. What are you talking about? So nothing was ever closed on the docket of the information for it. And I, I personally forget how I, figured it out, but I, I think I had to like call the, the district attorney up in Scranton and they had to pull some old, you know, piece of paper from 20 years before that and send it in in order for me to be approved. But I mean, it was to that level of craziness. Yeah. And you know, credit to parks too, because we actually, I kind of just explained, didn't really know what we were doing and they kind of guided us through it. And, um, you know, once we got registered there and we figured out kind of how to do it with other States and talking to other sports books and stuff like that, DraftKings came in and they were very helpful in getting us registered in New Jersey, which again was like a whole different set of rules. And from there, now we're registered in probably I think 12 or 15 different states and we're working. Well, we just did Ohio and I'm in the process of doing Maryland right now, which both launch in early 2023. So um, it's definitely become another avenue where uh, we can make some money and the NFL season, this is really our first full season doing it. And uh, we found some pretty decent success over the last couple of months. Yeah. And Tony, you mentioned Park, just as an aside. So that was one brand we never worked with. And I sat in the, I was there. So Parks, for people who don't know, aren't local. It's like the big local casino outside Philly. And uh, I sat in the office of the marketing person in 2018, trying to convince them to work with affiliates and they just weren't ready to do it. But you also, it's also where the state police has a barracks and you can go That's get That's where finger- I got my fingerprints. Yes. <laughs> so you can go get fingerprinted there. So it's the casino and local state police barracks where you can get fingerprinted. So it's for anyone who, you know, most of the listeners are probably aware of what affiliate marketing is, but it takes on all shapes and sizes. You know, you could be an affiliate for t-shirts or, but there's a few things that are just super highly valuable. There's like insurance companies, anything that has a subscription where customers pay a lot of money over time. And gambling is obviously one of those because, you know, people spend a lot of money gambling. So these, these companies are willing to spend like top dollar for a new referral, you know, and it's this why from your standpoint, it's worth going through this headache because it, it's, it's different than just slinging, you know, an affiliate opportunity for, I don't know, like GoDaddy or something like it's, it's, it's different, but man, the resourcefulness of like what you're describing really only over the course of two years is, is, is for me, like the biggest takeaway so far, which is like, you know, sometimes people, you just have to do things that you don't want to do. You don't know how to do, but you got to figure it out unless, you know, you just got unlimited funds to pay people to do stuff, which is, you know, not basically nobody. Yeah. I mean, we walked up to parks, uh, on, 
More than a few times, and one time, I mean, we were three minutes late to get our fingerprints taken, and they wouldn't see us anymore. And then we hops yelling at us. We're like, all right, fine, we'll come back tomorrow. The next day, I was like, oh, well, we still don't have this piece of paper signed. And I, I was sitting there with, like, manila folders filled with papers. And I was like, I don't know. Can someone tell me what papers you do need signed? Because you really had no idea. So it, it was definitely exhausting and um, definitely a time suck there for a couple months. But getting pretty good at it now that we've been doing it for almost a year. One final note on, on, uh, parks was that sometimes it's like our level, maybe my level of immaturity. So once we figured out that like they were not going to work with us or, or work with affiliates, it kind of became like our thing to try and like nudge or make fun of, or like, you know, when they would all of a sudden just keep falling in the revenue rankings for, for Pennsylvania, you know, gaming revenue. It was like, oh, you know, imagine if you worked with affiliates, you know, like things of that nature. And it's stupid, but Parks itself, before all this happened, was the largest casino revenue generator in the state of Pennsylvania. Like they sat so prime in such a prime position and to not have done and been aggressive is really baffling to me. And, and you know, they're going to be in other states. They're going to be in Ohio. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they do that with their brand. I know it's a little off, a little off topic here, but it is funny to see who valued affiliate marketing and, and who didn't and continue to see how that grows from state to state. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, at the time, uh, speaking specifically about parks, I mean, that was, you know, only six months before they launched their new bet parks, interactive sports books and stuff like that. So they were kind of, I mean, pretty transparent about the fact that like, Hey, look, the app that we currently have, which was their older version of it. Um, it's pretty lousy right now. And, you know, we're just trying to gain some buzz around it and get things moving for the new launch of whatever they call it. I believe they call it Bet Parks now. So they're pretty transparent about it. But yeah, I mean, it was clear that, you know, at the time, and again, I mean, these were conversations we had together. So it's not like I'm insulting parks whatsoever. But at the time, you know, they wanted to try the affiliate thing. And, um, I, I think we would both agree. And, uh, you know, I keep in touch with them. We don't work with them anymore, though. But um, they just weren't ready to do it. And they didn't, like you said, kind of value that at the time. But, you know, same time, kind of understanding since, you know, you're launching a brand new app. And question why they would even want to do that in the first place. But, um, yeah, overall. So, so much of Girl on the Site is wrapped into your, your full-time, your day job, which is working for Rush Order Tees. And, you know, they have, you know, many clients in a bigger national business. And, you know, we're talking to you, it's December 7th, which I got to imagine is like pretty much the busiest week because like you got to get stuff out by next week. So talk about, and you know, we know you a little bit on the side, like talk about the work-life balance because you're doing it the way I think a lot of people do in the creator, you know, in the creator, blogger, podcaster space, which is you almost never go full-time right away because those things take time. So you, you have a full-time job, you're able to do it on the side and start building it up. And you have the luxury of having an employer who seems supportive of what you're doing, which is a huge, huge step. And some of what you're doing on the site actually helps your employer and vice versa. But talk about that work-life balance, just how difficult it is from a personal standpoint, your hours, you already talked about the 4 a.m. break in the site. Dig into that because I know so many people struggle with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, just on the Rushwood Tees front, especially, I mean, you know, Rushwood Tees was founded by um, a guy named Mike Nemeroff. And if you saw him walking down the street right now, you have no idea that we just hit a historic hundred million in sales goal 
in 2022. You never know. I mean, he wouldn't talk to you. He wouldn't even say hello to you. I don't even know if he'd hold the door for you. He's just a very introverted, kind of shy type of figure. You know, he, he's just not a social guy. But the reason being is because back in 2002, he, his brother, and his sister were printing T-shirts in their parents' dining room trying to save their parents' business and the house that they lived in because um, his dad, who ran apparel, stock warehouses, and stuff like that, one got completely, you know, ransacked, robbed. They had no inventory, anything. So he wasn't even going to high school anymore. He was just printing T-shirts in his parents' garage. And from there, I mean, he kind of built it into what it is now. I mean, it's a 75,000 square foot facility in Northeast Philadelphia. There's over 300 employees. Uh, we're working on, you know, opening up other facilities around America to, you know, increase shipping times and stuff like that. But point being is he has always been a huge supporter of not just me, like anyone at Rush Order Tees who is trying to create something and start their own business and stuff like that. And, you know, even when he was in high school, he made a lot of money off of setting up websites with online uh, casino games and stuff like that. So he was big into that with, you know, revenue share affiliate deals with um, casino websites. So you have a boss who knows the game. He knows the, he's seen this game, same game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He was just showing me a paycheck he got the other day for like $2.86 off like some revenue share casino thing that he's had for like 20 years. <laughs> He's like, look, I still get these like in the mail and it's like $2.86. But um, no, I mean, point being, so, you know, he was always very supportive of it. Does it come into situations where he also uses it against me? Of course it does. But, you know, you kind of go both ways. If something bad happens at work, then he's immediately like, oh, stop spending all your time on the Liberty Line, do this instead. But I know deep down, like he kind of supports it. He's, uh, you know been very big on, you know, helping it grow and, you know, seeing what we're doing and how we're using it for marketing. Cause he's a big digital marketing guy and has given me a lot more leeway than in other jobs I have where I was working at a water company and I couldn't even log on to crossing broad at the time because they blocked that website with barstool sports, all the other ones, because they don't want their employees surfing the internet. So even with that, I mean, I, I work in the Northeast, uh, you know, full time and, I have kind of got myself in a pretty good routine where I'm up at 7 a.m. every morning working on the Liberty Line for two or three hours. Then I go to work full time and I come home and typically there's, you know, baseball, hockey, basketball game on at night and um, kind of keeping an eye on that and, you know, writing anything that comes up and working almost till midnight every single night. So, it's not easy, but one thing's for sure. You can't really go when you're trying to build an audience and only kind of put like half your foot in the door when you're trying to, you know, demand that content space where people are going to go to the Liberty Line. And it's one thing I always tell everyone at the Liberty Line, it's we can't just like write an Eagles article or a Flyers article every now and then because people will click it, especially in today's world online. They'll look at it, close it and everything. But you have to hammer home even the littlest of stories, the shortest of stories, everything, just so people will know on the internet that, hey, like, I know if I go to the Liberty Line, there's going to be as much content up there as possible about every little thing. I mean, I just posted a James Harden thing about him partying in the club with little baby in Houston after they got, they lost on Monday night in double overtime to the Rockets. And I mean, it is, it's doing really well right now, but it doesn't matter if it's, Big or small, it's just like you have to stay consistent. And it's very hard to do that. Uh, there's a million nights where I'm sitting here. 
exactly where I'm sitting now, just hating everything, yelling at myself while I'm writing an article. Why did I get into this? It's a time suck. You go out with friends and you have your phone out and you're tweeting stuff and everyone, and then everyone's ragging on you because you're always on your phone, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, it's definitely tough. And there's been, you know, very, very long nights, very early mornings, a lot of scheduling conflicts, just a million things that can pop up and kind of get in the way for it. But it's really hard to balance that stuff. I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, well, I keep a nice calendar or a to-do list or something like that because I don't. And I wish I could just explain it, to be honest with you. But everyone's like, I, I have no idea how you manage to write, you know, 10 different articles a day while working at Rush Order Tees and commuting from the Northeast out to Glen Mills, where I live now, on uh, the opposite end of Delco. But look, I mean... If you believe in something, I'm a huge believer in the fact that you just have to do it correctly or like there's no point in doing it at all. So doing it correctly is making sure that you're always trying to retain people and get people to come to your site naturally, knowing that they could trust you where if something funny happens with the Sixers or any sports team or any trending story that will have some type of opinion on there. And uh, if not, I, I really don't think a website can really last. I mean, it's, we're, we're just a blog, you know? I mean, we have podcasts and stuff, but if the majority of your monetization, everything flows through the website, then you, you, you always have to have every little bit of content about what you're covering up on the website to retain and get people to come back to the website to read it. So it's hard. I don't know if that answered your question. It's just really hard. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> great answer. It's a great answer. It's a tough game to play. I've heard Kyle talk about that countless times. You know, that it's a, that grind is, it's not for everyone. And, you know, it seems to be certainly focused on a certain age group, you know, of where you fall in life that it can be accomplished upon, accomplished with. And, um, you know, I, to your point, I don't think anyone truly understands it until they're in the mix, you know, how much time it takes up. And, and even when you are trying to relax, you know, something happens that can pull you away or you're thinking about the business in itself. And granted, that is the entrepreneurial fire that, you know, only you know, certain people have. But none of this is, is as easy as it looks at times. No, I mean, and, and look, I'll be totally honest with you guys. I, I was in a, a very long-term relationship and, uh, you know, doing the website and focusing on that. I'm not going to say that's the only reason things didn't work out, but it certainly played a part with it. Like, it, And that just goes back to the point. Like, it is, it is very time-consuming, especially when you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to figure things out. I've spent entire days and entire nights trying to make the header image on WordPress look a certain way on mobile and completely failing at it for 48 hours straight while never getting up from my computer. So <laughs> to say it's a time suck, I mean, that's just even considering things are going well and you just have to get content up there. When you mix in everything else, uh, I mean, it's pretty difficult to uh, do something like this while you're learning each day. But um, like you said, if you believe in it and you kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit and you're willing to kind of put other things to the side at times where, you know, good chance maybe you're not supposed to put things to the side at times. Uh, I think you'll be successful. It's, re it's really good. I've literally come down. Thank God we hadn't had kids yet, but I've come down to my wife on Easter morning after being up all night trying to do something in the CSS. And I was like, I finally got it. I changed this value in the color green. I got the, the updated green. And she's like, yeah, cool. You know, like, you know, family's coming over in five minutes, shower, you stink. You know, you look, you look like a blogger who's been up all night, which is a very distinct look. Yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of how I look right now. <laughs> I've always likened it to 
I think with any sort of content generation, I mean, some people create stuff that is like evergreen and you can plan it out and you could have a schedule. But there's a lot of things that if you're just covering something going on in a space or commenting on financial news or just whatever is topical in, in your industry, it doesn't have to be sports, is that you always have to be willing to drop what you're doing and, you know, do something about it. And if it's news related, it's like being a baker. Every day you get up, you create the donut or the cake and it's literally stale the next day. And you have to refill that beast or the whole thing dies. And especially with sports where all of the happening is usually like off hours, nights and weekends is when the most stuff happens in sports. It's even like magnified and people, it, whether it's sports or something else, you know, really need to understand when they're going into that. Like you're signing up for that. You're signing up. You have to constantly feed that that meter of content, unless you're just creating stuff that's like purely evergreen, will last you years, is relevant, you know, today as it is tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at that too, I mean, none of us are really professional sports writers and we don't pretend to be. And I think that's why there's a huge attraction to what we do because, you know, we're just like regular people just talking about sports and saying there's an NBA deep state and kind of making a joke about it, but just kind of trying to give the pain at times of being a Philly sports fan to the readers who will be able to relate to it. But point being is like, that's not really an avenue where you can have that kind of long form content where you're breaking down different defensive schemes and stuff like that. I mean, we, you know, have a couple people who are very good at that, but maybe just talking for me specifically, like I couldn't tell you what type of defense the Eagles are running, but I could sit here and laugh about how Eagles fans were trolling the Titans ownership box during AJ Brown and the Tennessee Titans against the Eagles game on uh, last Sunday. And, you know, I can get something, you know, relatively funny, at least I think it's funny, up on the website, and it'll do really, really well. But, again, if you don't do that within the first few hours after that video hits online, then it, it's been posted already maybe, I mean, who knows how many times, 20 to 50 different times already, and then no one really cares about your opinion. So you definitely have to be on top of it and make sure. I always joke, I mean, I live in a one-bedroom apartment right now, but just the amount of times I went over and sat or laid down on my couch and then something happened and I would get up, walk over to my computer right here, write it, go lay down again and do that again. And just back and forth some nights, which is absolutely miserable. But, you know, like we said, it's just something you have to do. You have to buy into that machine and you always got to keep feeding it. Like you said, Kyle. you know, where do you want to go next with the site? And have you had, you know, I know you've, you've mentioned us, like you've had outside people kind of kick your tires. You don't have to go and go every level of detail you want there, but like it is a future opportunity for a site. You've now built something that has some value. Where do you, you know, like what's ideal for you to, to get this to, cause it's a pretty impressive growth in two years, you know, a quarter, 20% of it being during a pandemic when there was weird sports, if any. Yeah, I mean, and, it, you know, like we, we spoke off camera, you know, last week about this and like where you want to go. And I, I really didn't have that good of an answer for you. And I mean, still, I really don't because it is such, I, it's very hard for me to fathom even being in this position right now, just because of not only what the website's done over the last two years, two and a half years, but just like the world and we were in COVID and there's just been so much crazy stuff going on. And it really wasn't until maybe a year ago, not even that we stopped and we're like, Hey, we have to start treating this like a business because we have an opportunity where it can become a business. So let's get out of 
having a Twitter DM group chat. Let's go get Slack. Let's start planning stuff out just a little bit more and, you know, making sure everyone stays on top of it. But I mean, the way I look at it right now is obviously we talked about how I was, you know, working two jobs. I mean, I'm working, always doing something for probably 18 hours a day of my time right now is spent on either the Liberty Line or work. So it would be really nice to be in a position where I can at least have the opportunity to have two decisions, you know, sitting in front of me, whether that is to focus on the Liberty Line or focus on my full-time job. So, you know, if we're looking at where we want to take it, I think, you know, turning the Liberty Line, um, which obviously I hold a little closer to my heart since we started it, into a full-time job and to be able to continue to grow it and learn more about this business and uh, get someone to invest or, you know, possibly acquire it. Hint, hint, monetize media guys over here. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would like to do this full time. I mean, it, it, we put a lot of hard work into it over the last two and a half years. And, you know, to be able to have that opportunity where we can continue to grow it and try out new content stuff and uh, primarily focus on that, I think it'll free up some time in my own life and uh, make it a little bit easier, honestly. That's the whole point of having you on, Drew. We're going to open source this investment. We're going to use this podcast to uh, put it out there and make this one big national aqua strategy. I'm going to send it over <laughs> to Mike too at Rush Order Tees because uh, I know we've had a very successful year over there and be like, hey, might want to check this out now or never. Tell Mike to open his wallet. I think he's doing okay, right? Great strategy for the business, too. <laughs> you told me on Monday that I have two years left at Rush Order Tees before I don't have a job there anymore, so I better figure out how to sell the site and work on the Liberty Line full-time. He just came into uh, the sales room. There's like 50 people sitting there, and he yelled that across the room that I'm the, I don't have a job here in two years. So I was like, oh, well, thanks, Mike. Good to see you, buddy. Better to have the warning, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hope you had a nice uh, Thanksgiving. Thank you for firing me two years from now. So as they said in office space, it, it'd be great to have that kind of job security. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So last thing then you talked about Fiverr, pretty obvious one you mentioned, but is there any tool like besides maybe Slack, like something that's more bespoke that, you know, you find indispensable to what you do on a day-to-day basis that could be useful for others? Yeah. I mean, especially if you're doing a website, there's a lot of great WordPress plugins. So you know, I utilize a few of them. One would be Rank Math. There's a bunch of different versions of it. It's also, you know, there's a Yoast, um, but it's an SEO tool. And it really uh, is a checklist that pops up on the side of your screen when you're writing something or creating a new page on your website. And it'll tell you exactly what you need to do to make whatever your content you're making more friendly to search engines. So you can rank higher, which obviously as, you know, we both know it's very important where someone's searching a a term or, a specific tag you put on a post, you want that to show up on the front page of Google. That was another late night for us. We sat there one night and we already had maybe 3,000 posts already up on the Liberty Line before we realized that SEO was important. But Rank Math was a good plugin that you could buy. It tells you what to do. And we went back and literally updated over 3,000 articles to kind of rank better on Google and immediately saw those results come in shortly after. Another one would be ImageFi, which, you know, when you have WordPress and you're uploading all these different photos for featured images and whatever other videos um, and content you put on there, it takes up a lot of space. 
So if you're trying to save space and not pay as much for a WordPress website, go pay Image, ImageFi, I guess it's called. I don't know how to pronounce it, but... Yeah, I never did either. I've used it. It's good. <laughs> Imageify, Imageify. But um, go do that, and it automatically optimizes and brings those images, videos down to kind of like, it's almost like they zip them up in a way where they won't take up that much space on the website. But yeah, I mean, literally, you go into WordPress, you can Google it as well, too. And like all those little tools really made us a lot more efficient and, you know, kind of helped with SEO and, you know, everyone understanding that type of thing. I'd probably say those two were the most useful tools besides Slack where I can have everyone in front of me and make sure they're doing things. No, that was a good one. ImageFi, ImageFi, whatever it is, is good. It's really good. It's good for SEO. It's good for your hosting bill. So tell people where they can find you, where they can find Liberty Line, and then plug Rush Order Tees. Because honestly, it's a have worked with Rush, you and Rush Order Tees in the past, and that was probably you guys were probably the third or fourth different t-shirt drop ship printer you know that i worked with and by far the best you guys have the scale and ability to scale up and down and um so plug away there too yeah you know rushwood tees like we said based in the northeast philadelphia but it's also nationwide rushwoodtees.com you can go on the website and you can design one t-shirt for your you know uncle for christmas or you could order you know hundreds upon thousands of t-shirts for your business um, we do it all, embroidery, T-shirts, jackets, whatever you want on that end. And then, of course, the Liberty Line, the LibertyLine.com, Liberty Line PHL across social media platforms. And, uh, yeah, again, I'm Drew Smith. You can find me. I'm, I'm very easy to find. It's Drew M. Smith on Twitter, and that's pretty much where I'm on there ranting and raving. So follow at your own risk. <laughs> Good stuff. Drew, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Drew. All right. So that was Drew Smith. Jason, I feel like he did it backwards here. He, most people build the audience, then sell them stuff. And he was selling stuff and was like, shoot, I'm going to create an audience off that. Yeah. We always talk about this. And, you know, I think there's people, I think the new formula, the current formula is, you know, what you just said, but back in what, five years ago, you know, especially in a town like Philadelphia, who was dying down dead, as you know, for a Super Bowl champion, you know, I think there can be those variables where a, a hot t-shirt, you know, the product can lead to the audience, you know? So I think Drew capitalized on that. And, you know, thankfully he's been able, the harder part has been able for him to then maintain a business after the initial success of the t-shirt. Yeah. That's the thing with merch, you know, particularly with sports, cause it's so events driven and you can um, sell a lot of product very quickly with a viral shirt because you can capitalize on that interest. But my guess is, you know, last August when there wasn't much going on in, in sports and, you know, football's dead and basketball's dead and, you know, it's the middle of baseball season. If, if that's your business, you're not making, you're making tens of dollars, but he's done a nice job of using that as a launching point and, you know, being able to piece together an ad business. And now he's attacking the sports betting affiliate opportunity, which is a, it's a high barrier to entry because you got to get all these licenses. So he's doing all the right things and pretty incredible audience he's built in just a few years. We're recording the outro here of like maybe six weeks after we actually recorded the interview. And it's Thursday before the Eagles are in the Super Bowl again. So I'm sure Drew is firing up the merch machine as we speak. 
I think it's interesting too that he gets um, he can see all these different creators use rush order tees to fulfill stuff, and he kind of gets like this bird's eye view of what's popular at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's it, the ability to see these things helps. I mean, I, I think we told the story years ago. That I was at one of the fantasy one of the daily fantasy sites, and it hit me, or I saw on a report that all of a sudden people were using promo codes. You know, any ability you can see that how the consumer is going about looking for something or what they find, you know, popular or hot at the moment. I mean, any kind of inclination you can get that you can then use. It's such a user advantage. Yeah, and he continues to be in, I mean, no one knows this better than you. You know, the, these individually owned properties, it's amazing that, you know, they will can, especially in local markets, they're going to continue to be sought after. And, you know, I imagine someone like him has received, someone like Drew, I think you mentioned it on the, on the, uh, briefly on the, on the show is, you know, he receives offers and, you know, at some point you have to decide where, where the market is and, and how you want to operate and live your life. But it's not being tied into some of these larger blog networks has become a true, you know, mover advantage for somebody like Drew and other people. And I do wonder if with AI and the ability to create content, I'm not saying artificially create content, but to help creators create content, I do wonder if we're staring down a rebirth of local you know, local blogs, local sports, you know, fanatics kind of thing coming back again. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's this uh, trend. I, you know, geez, I like listen to Gary V a lot in like 2019. But even then, he was saying like create a brand because you know you can kind of go go past the waves, uh, the trends, and you know someone who's like that local creator who has a voice and like is out with the community and goes the games and stuff like that matters now because all of these I would say all these general sports sites that cover the entire league and just you know are kind of like trade rumors and things like that like you can if you're not automating this content at the very least it's kind of run-of-the-mill commodity content now so you know having that local brand while it might not be the most scalable business I, you know I know this from experience it does allow you to at least have an audience that you can always find a way to monetize. And right now I could tell you, you know, it would be a lot of fun. You know, the only times I kind of miss sports blogging or, you know, when like the Phillies were in the World Series and the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, it is a lot of fun at those moments. And the rest of the time, not so much. But for some reason, I don't know why I tend to be the guy who picks on like the stuff the guy people aren't doing. But if I'm Drew, I'm looking for like a Kyle Pagan type of person, you know, to build up social, to be at events. I mean, you've got a situation here in Philadelphia we're three core sports, you know, I mean, hockey's not a core sport anymore, especially in this town. It's amazing how it's fallen off, but basketball, NFL, and baseball, it, these teams are going to be in the mix every single year now, probably for at least the next two to three years, you know, to invest in utilizing a personality, trying to grow your social reach, getting a larger base for which you're obviously trying to sell merch and do what you can do. Now would be the time. I mean, if anything, last year would have been the time, but it's still not too late. You know, last August would have been a good time to start. Yeah. Anyway, good business. I think he's going to, you know, he'll run into those lulls during the summer, but he's doing all the right things. Like he's kind of figuring it out. I think people who figure it out as they go tend to be the most successful because any situation they throw you, they kind of just roll up their sleeves and figure it out. And he's got a lot of the figure it out in him. Anyway, that's the uh, that's the interview with Drew Smith. So we've been on a little bit of a hiatus here. Holidays, work stuff, whole lot going on, but we're going to try to 
dedicate ourselves to some sort of a weekly schedule here, but we have another episode after this in the hopper that will come out next week that I think the audience will really like. If you do like the show, you still find it enjoyable and you've kept us in your subscribe and downloads, make sure you, what should they do, Jason? They should tell how many people? Well, we asked two, but I mean, maybe they should, maybe we should ask, maybe we should have mass three. <laughs> yeah, at this point, four, like, you know, make up, help us with the compounding growth. Well, you know how these things start. One guy tells another guy something, and then he tells two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell their friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. You know how these things go. There we go. Make sure to subscribe, leave us a five-star review, leave us a comment, and uh, we'll be back next time. Thanks for listening. 